Three years ago, after the viral spread of the Me Too campaign, the world suddenly looked like it was waking up from a decades-long hibernation. A similar feeling took over last May, after the murder of George Floyd. Only this time, the theme was racial injustice and police brutality. And then, of course, the pandemic and the generally glorious year of 2020. Literature can probably be listed among one of the most reactive fields when it comes to addressing the reality we live in, thus turning it into a separate trend. Literary bestsellers and award winners nowadays are socially vocal, race-conscious, inquisitive towards gender relations and or social stereotypes. The readers need some answers, and publishers seek to provide them. This is Literature from Finland podcast. I'm Urte from Helsinki Literary Agency, and in this episode I will be asking the most internationally successful Finnish authors, Celia Ahava, about the specialties of a Finnish voice and authorship. Celia, welcome to our humble studio. It's very, very nice to have you here and and to see you and talk to you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Um, as I mentioned, uh, I feel that in the recent years, more often than not, a book on publishers' website would be described as the social analysis of the present day or the incision of our time or something similarly grand. Uh, literature, of course, helps us deal with the world around us. But do you think that there is still space for literature per se, for titles that don't necessarily deal with with current burning social issues, uh, but are exceptional for other things, for their structure, for uh, mastery of language, for thought-provoking and well-written plot? Mm. Well, thank you for this question. Um, I think this is an issue that I've been lately a bit um, skeptic, skeptical and, and depressed about because I feel like there's less and less emphasis on literature, literary literature. Um, even if books are actually literary, um, the way they are discussed in the media, the way they are able to reach um attention is is greatly based on um a theme um or the writer's background if say it's a singer or filmmaker and they write a novel that gets more publicity um so just to be an author and writing a book that doesn't isn't based on the war Uh, or <laughs> other favorite topics of Finnish literature um, that is is um, sensitive to language and structure. I, I'm, I feel particularly fed up or, or frustrated with lack of focus on structural decisions in Finnish liter- literary discussion, even including critiques. I've, I find that... Um, That is a point that's often totally ignored. Um, that there might be a comment that um, this book didn't feel coherent, but then they don't ask the question like, why has why exactly the, yeah. why has the writer chosen a form that's not coherent? Maybe it's to do with the theme of the the the, the world that the book is talking about. Um, 
So I'm actually writing a, 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 a collection of essays with another author, Emma Puikkonen, about um, structure in right. in novel. Um, so we're we're doing that next year. So I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> so <laughs> you will give us an answer <laughs> how to um, how to write a well structured novel. Mm. But that's that's very true, and I find myself as well, especially this year with uh, all these things that I just mentioned. I. I, I find myself enjoying much more the books, you know, of, uh, from Finnish writers, Mikko Rimminen, Juhani Karela, Marisha Rasikoskina, who just published this uh, wonderful, wonderful novel uh, from the international uh, international writers. Um, it's this Hilary Leichter, who is probably not so... so globally known, but her, her novel Temporary is just another another world and, and so rich mm. with with structure language imagination uh, the same uh, Reinhardt's uh, garden by bar by mark haber so these i find myself enjoying them much more and and uh, craving for this kind of literature that gives us a little bit of a rest from from the social issues and from constantly dealing with mm. and trying to solve the world and save the world so. yeah I think there has definitely been a change and I you know my heart kind of aches when I think about the fact that like writers like Peter Handke were like bestsellers in in the 80s yeah. I mean can you imagine that <laughs> that they sell tens of thousands of copies that that today that feels bizarre absolutely absolutely and, and I think that is really sad um but yeah, um. uh, yeah, and and that's very true. And I think it's it, it also raises a good question of authorship, and who or what is a good author in the end? It is every author that writes about uh, topics that are very important? Um, does that mean that they're good writers? A very good point. I don't think. Um, yeah, and I think there are just topics like, well, I've. In Finland, for instance, I think they could just deny for, say, five years to write about anything about the Second World War. Right. And I think that would be good <laughs> yeah. for our literary. Absolutely. Life. It's it's very true. Actually, we have discussed this as well, uh, that uh, in the, I don't know for how many years so many books have been written about the Second World War. And, and it's just, yeah. yeah it's, but let's not go <laughs> So we mentioned I mentioned authorship and and voice is the topic uh, topic of our um, uh, episode today. Finding one's own voice and authorship is one of the um, key topics in your new novel, The Woman Who Loved Insects. Uh, the novel follows the life of a woman called Maria who becomes fascinated by insects at the very young age and she starts drawing them. And because the story uh, begins in the 17th century, people are very restricted still by moral norms, uh, social social norms. Um, so finding one's own voice can be sometimes a real struggle and a real fight. But centuries pass and uh, the world changes. Do you think that we now undergo different kinds of processes when searching for our own voice? And do writers go through different processes? Mm. Yes and no. I mean, I'm, while writing this book, I, I became very aware of the fact that some of the issues that Maria in my book are 
is is um, struggling with um, the 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 idea of of um, having a right to use your voice and having a space for your own thoughts and and um, perceptions about the world. Um, also, um, your right to think about big questions to do with nature and God and um, as a woman. Uh, I think some of those issues are relevant even today. Um, it's quite depressing to realise that that is the case. But somehow, and it, it, you know, it's, it, it's present even in some ways in, in, in my own work that I feel like um, as a female writer, I get received slightly differently or at least there's a danger of being categorized as a female author, female author uh, yeah. which means that the personal relationship stuff gets emphasized and even though like I've I've worked quite hard in this particular book to avoid the uh, the possibility of kind of focusing on that still some critiques focused on her marriage um, her relationship with with the child that yeah, she had a motherhood and yeah. and ignore the fact that she's making big questions about creation the beginning of life the end of life the the science uh humans position in the history and so forth um and i found that quite offensive and really frustrating in a way um and i was um asking somewhere like if a man had written a book that passes through 350 years um, of cultural history in Europe and discusses these sort of topics would they get that sort of same review and reception mm, yeah. and um, got a lot of very angry response from my female <laughs> colleagues and uh, so it's it's a relevant point still but I think I mean um in terms of finding your own voice or having space for and and um, allowance for your voice is more much more relevant nowadays with the, when it comes to minority um, voices Absolutely. and um, I think the the struggle is there and the question of who has the right to voice the minorities and whether they Absolutely. Mm, and whether whether the majority has the right to have minority characters in their work and so forth. They are really tricky questions and um, something that I've been... Um, Pondering. Thing, <laughs> yeah, this year a quite a lot. Um, there's also, of course, the great danger of, of, of kind of limiting uh, the... If everybody is only allowed to write about their own position and their own experiences that's a very very limited and normative way of thinking and doesn't exactly exactly for literature exactly so do you think when when a writer if a writer found <laughs> finds him, his or her own voice um is it something that stays with you like a character uh throughout uh, throughout your books you, when you're writing them, is it something that you can recognize in each uh, can recognize in each book, or is it something rather more of a process uh, separate in each book? That in each book you start from the beginning, this search of your own voice, and you come to maybe 
completely different um, ending. Mm. I think time. there's a, a there's a great scope therefore for you can choose. I think you are. I think that you can, and maybe to a certain extent, each writer has their own voice that goes through all the books that they write. But also, that it's something that you can play with and and learn and change. Like with this latest book, I clearly wanted to find a different language for the book, so I deliberately extended the length of sentences, for instance. Um, amount right. of words per sentence you know quite technical decisions but I was um because I wanted the character to sound different um, exactly and um I wanted her the the 17th century to be present somehow in her language I mean as she travels through the centuries also her language changes, changes. Yeah. um and also I wanted to have an element of the because she's German um element of the German sentence <laughs> <laughs> which is longer than the Finnish absolutely um, Finnish sentence absolutely mm-hmm. that's uh, that's a very good point and now that you are talking about this traveling through sentences uh, through a through centuries sorry um, I'm thinking about change um, what I love about your writing in general and I think you do this more or less in each of your books uh, is um, drawing these parallels and drawing very unexpected and very interesting parallels. And the key parallel in this one uh, is the one between insects and human life cycles. And I think it illustrates so well this uh, sometimes the excitement of anticipation, uh, sometimes disappointment and change. Uh, I mentioned that the novel begins in the 17th century and then you talked about how uh, main protagonists go on uh, living for uh, over 300 years. People throughout history have always been fearful of change and un- unwilling to, to do it. And yet from time to time these la- landmark events happen, like the ones that I mentioned in the beginning, uh, that finally make us crack and do something, take action. So what do you think causes that final straw? What is it that we need to make us crack, to make us uh, wake up? I think very often the the definition of a crack is created afterwards. So in the moment when it actually happens, it doesn't you don't realize that you are in the you are living the big moment. Now, I don't, I, when I lived in London um, in the late 90s, I experienced, um, um, there was a bomb explosion when I was in a supermarket and it was such an anticlimactic event. It was, a, and I always think about that because, um, you know, you, you imagine what a bomb explosion sounds like. But it was nothing like that. Nothing, uh, it was such a pathetic little poof. <laughs> and then and and still i mean of course it was a totally physical shock uh, experience and defines i still go back to it in you know I'm, i've written it in my pre- right. uh, previous book books. it was so it's it's a moment it's a key moment exactly know? and i remember the bbc lorries there by the market the following week and i i remember looking at them and watching it on news and thinking that this doesn't match 
that I, this was a big event, but it just didn't sound like it when it and happened. It didn't feel, yeah. But, um, um, and I, when you create a plot, of course, you have to, you have to reason changes. And, you know, like in, in this um, book, I had to, I knew that the real life Maria Merian left her husband and ran away from home. But because of the lack of historical details we don't know why she did that and um, I had to create a fictional um, believable uh, reasoning for that right. change um, so this is one aspect of, of, of how change is structured and, and, and created in fiction but what I also love is changes that are not reasoned and explicable at all I love like um uh, the the French book Emmanuel Carrere's book uh, La Moustache, right? Um, uh, the moustache, <laughs> uh, where the man shaved off his moustache one day, and then that kind of triggers a whole existential crisis because his wife doesn't recognize that he's changed. Like he thinks it's a really radical act, but realizes that the world doesn't react at all, and then it kind of puts him off the track completely. He leaves home and. And I thought that was just a wonderful story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I love those sort of changes. Yeah, yeah. And now that you talk about it, I think it reflects a lot in the, the book that you mentioned, the, your second novel, Things That Fall From The Sky, about these kind of grand, even absurd events that can happen in our life. And at that moment, you are... The, the reaction and and like this aunt who who wins a lottery twice and she goes into sleep for for three weeks uh, the reaction that we get and how we deal with it is is can be very different from what we would expect that we would do in that kind of situation the same that you say about the explosion in your opinion, distinguishes the Finnish literary voice and, and authorship? Who are some of your favorite voices in the country? And do you think that Finnish literature as well is becoming more socially and politically engaged? We've talked a little bit about the war war literature, but what do you think about it? Um, well, I'm uh, first of all, I think I have to say that I'm not interested in Finnish literature because it it's Finnish. I'm first of all interested in good literature, right? Um, and um, there is good literature also in Finland. Exactly. Um, uh, so um, I don't follow very, very actively um, like the latest books of every season. I don't. Yeah, I've I've given my passion permission to <laughs> be free in that way. Um, exactly. Um but um the um, my favorite Finnish author is Kristina Karsson. Okay. Um, right. who is very original and you know, she writes world literature. 
which I think is allowed also for Finnish authors, that we don't have to write about Finland, Finland. and Finnish topics. Um, uh, I love Kristina Karlsson's book, um, The Gardener of um, da- Dr. Darwin. Do- right. Dr. Darwin's Gardener, I think the right. title is in English. Um Totally exceptional <laughs> jewel. <laughs> um, and um, so maybe that also reflects on how I possession my own writing. But it's also to do with the fact that I've lived ab- abroad. Um, I've lived internationally. So the, the whole question of what's local and what's exactly uh, not local for me is, is not so straightforward. Um, and... Um, So I, I think it, it reflects in the way I write and it also reflects in the way of what, what I read and what I find interesting. When introducing the very first episode of this podcast, I mentioned the words of a quite well-known translator of Finnish literature who once said, uh, I just remembered it for, for my entire life, that Finland is the only country in the world where writers can be seen on women's magazine covers. What do you think about this idea? Do you think that writers have a special status here or somehow different status here than in any other country? I don't understand the comment. (laughs) (laughs) Of course they can be in in the cover. I mean, I don't understand why they couldn't. Uh, Right. um, Yeah. um, But yes, I mean, traditionally... um, And I think this is changing a little bit nowadays, but traditionally uh, authors have had this um, <laughs> um, s- certain weight, like um, of, of, of wisdom, <laughs> right? Um, that um, on their shoulders, that the, the, uh, that like uh, panel discussions where you want somebody to have a bit broader. Exactly, um, vision. They might invite an author there, um, and um, sort of a elite in intellectual uh, circle yeah, that kind of uh, yeah. when they. I think that especially happened <coughs> with uh, some of the writers that became extremely popular, like Sophie Oksanen, who I remember very well after her. Purge, which was just bestseller everywhere, all of a sudden she became this person that was invited even to like political panels to talk about uh, post-Soviet uh, whatever heritage and and was seen as some somehow this uh, knowledgeable expert on on these things and exactly what all you say like this things. yeah yeah <laughs> yes. exactly what you say this weight of of um, Uh, intellectual somehow responsibility <laughs> that mm-hmm. that the writer has to be this person who knows mm-hmm. uh, knows things and sees. I think there's broadly. a there's a link in this to our history and the fact that culture culture and the arts have been quite involved in the independence nationalistic movement in the late 19th century that right. um, that they played a big part and language the Finnish language played a big part in in the whole um, the formation of the Finnish identity and it's interesting because nowadays with the, the kind of nationalistic right-wing um, movement <coughs> um, there 
attitude uh, towards artists and cultural funding and so forth is really aggressively negative. So <laughs> clearly this aspect of our nationalistic history is not really exactly um, taken on. It's very interesting that you mentioned funding because this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. In Finland, just as anywhere else in the world, uh, you can often hear writers complain about um about the lack of state's interest in literature and arts in general and lack of uh, sort of systematic support. So now I have written this down because I've counted it. Um, in Finland, there are at least uh, 14 major literary awards, uh, meaning that the prize sum varies from 2,000 to 30,000 euros. 16 awards for children's and YA literature, 7 awards for poetry, 13 awards for non-fiction books, at least 3 awards for comic books, and then a good bunch of additional awards for illustrated, translated literature, as well as prizes for a specific genre, like fantasy uh, or uh, the best crime book of the year. Not to, uh, not to mention... Uh, as well, the impressive writers' grants um, and residency programs. And they're all kind of, it's something that you get a little bit of money uh, for. So in my view, this is not bad at all for a country of 5.5 million people. Um, so why the complaints? <laughs> and And wouldn't you agree that this kind of support is one of the key reasons why in Finland, in such a small country and small literary market, uh, like 70% of the market are the books written by Finnish or local authors. Mm. Yes, um, I definitely think there's not a big... <laughs> um, we shouldn't be complaining. Um, and I think it is part of the complaining is to do with the fact that people just don't know even how the artists work in other countries. Um, that, um, that's, um, that a little reality art. check is is right. <laughs> yeah, is is not um, a bad idea. Um, on the other hand, because the market is so small that without this grant system, um, we wouldn't have finished literature, and nobody else is going to uh, support it. Yeah. than the Finnish um, <coughs> system itself. Exactly. So to have Finnish literature written, um, you have to have grants because the book sales are not ever going to bring the money. Exactly. So um, an average annual income for a Finnish author is 2,000 euros. Yeah. Um, so... That is worth keeping in, <laughs> keeping in mind. So the whole system is not based on the book sales. It's based on other ways of income. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But can you be a full-time author eventually in Finland? Or how, I mean, you can, obviously, but how common it is that if you're a writer, you kind of deal with it only with the things that relate to writing? I think, um, I don't have the statistics now, uh, <laughs> I think most of the authors have another job. Right. Uh, and then they, whenever they get a grant, um, they can go take on writing, writing vacation. Yes. Right. Um, 
But it is also possible to support. I mean, I've never had a job. (laughs) (laughs) And I graduated (laughs) in 2001. Um, So the maternity leave money was my biggest regular income so far. (laughs) Right. Um, And it took them seven months to figure out what they should be paying me because my income was such a mess. mess. (laughs) (laughs) So that was an interesting process. Yeah, but talking about the money, uh, this is also something that I've been thinking for years. Um, Again, as I mentioned, I come from a country that is not very rich. And when I was growing up, especially, it was uh, completely broke. And I think that we sometimes still have this idea, the lack gives birth to creativity. That if you're poor, you're more creative. And on the contrary, the abundance... Uh, so now we're talking about all these grants and prize money and and things like that, that the abundance t- tends to make uh, people feel more comfortable and maybe lazy. Do you think that this can be applied to Finland? Mm. When I was in Hong Kong uh, a year ago at the book fair, um, I was asked that um, can any great literature be written in, in such a safe country because all the all the great stuff is written in countries that have social, uh, political um, uh, dramas. Um, and since Finland is so right. secure, that um, isn't that too tame for big <laughs> literature. So I think this is a bit similar question. Absolutely. Um, so um, whether it's safety or whether it's uh, um, um, financial comfort, <laughs> yeah. comfort, um, um, I don't think creativity is is um, really related to those sort of things. I, I think life is is great enough in offering insecurity if we need it, and 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 uh, surprises, whether they are good or bad. Um, yeah, the year twenty twenty definitely showed us that, yes. <laughs> demonstrated <laughs> it. Um, but then, when it comes to laziness. Um, that's that's a funny one because generally Finnish people have, have considered themselves uh, hardworking right. and um, uh, tough, um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I think <laughs> it's not always. <laughs> yeah. Or again, like the real the relativity of of the thing, like how um, yeah, it, comparing to who, mm. <laughs> and and um, I think it is the the, the laziness. Um, issue is relevant when 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 it is a small country like we are uh, it also the the risk is that you are only challenged challenged with small challenges um (laughs) and that i think that there's an opportunity for laziness there whether it's sort of intellectual laziness or or whatever yeah but um Um, it's also very easy in a small country to um, become big because there are not so many right. <laughs> or, or become an uh, expert in something. God, you you need to do very little to, <laughs> to become some sort of expert. Um, and I'm referring to this sort of panel discussions that exactly now that, you, what we discussed, yeah. that you get invited to um, to comment on something that you actually are not expert in at all. So um, 
Yeah. Um, I think it's for, for that reason only, it's quite healthy to have a bit wider perspective and read literature also from other countries and, uh, you know, so forth. For the, for the ending, three essential and very literary questions. Who is your current literary crush? Mm, I have a crush now. I mean, I'm not often very good at these sort of quick questions, but I've been reading Arno Silvanberg's essay collection on um, um, gays, women and film. And um, so she's a sort of feminist uh, journalist uh, who has published a collection of essays on on women's position in in um, film and generally what it's like to grow up as a woman um, in contemporary Finland. I mean, she's very similar age to me, so um, there was a lot I could relate to. But she's, yeah, I'm, I'm oh, it's a while since I felt like I get several new thoughts from a one book, right? And I, I, oh, I love that. <laughs> I'm so grateful. I'm just so grateful that she's written that book. Yeah, yeah. feeling alive. <laughs> Which author you are following on social media, and why? Um, I'm not on social media except Facebook, um, and uh, I have. So I'm not following anybody. Um, in short, um, I have a lot of my Finnish colleagues as Facebook. Facebook friends, but uh, I don't, you know, it, I'm not following them. <laughs> not <way>. talking <laughs> anyone <laughs> from the literary <laughs> world. World. What is the best advice that you have ever received? Uh, I have to. I'm sorry. I have to skip this. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Nobody I'm has <laughs> given you advices. I tried to think on the bus journey here. So then tell me this, tell me this, what is, uh, tell me one new thought from the book that you just told us about. Uh, You said you, it gave you so many new thoughts. Tell me one. Mm. She writes really well about uh, sex. How sex is um, demonstrated in films and um, how orgasm is demonstrated in films and how unrealistic it is uh, from the woman's perspective. And then she very personally describes what it was like to grow up thinking that there is something wrong in your body because you can't get orgasm in the actual um, penetrating intercourse. Right. And that, Like the f- in the movies. Yes. Yeah. And that... Um, how embarrassing it was and like how later she has shared this issue with other female friends and realized that a lot of them were struggling with the same question like there's something wrong in my body exactly and then she tried to find a film where there's actually uh, where they show like man's hand touching woman right Uh, and she thought she hadn't thought that she'll write an essay about this but turned out that such film doesn't really doesn't exist. <laughs> well, that's and that's definitely very, very interesting. And I think we've I've had similar conversations with my friends about this uh, about this thing. That's uh, and that's 
absolutely wonderful that someone finally has written an mm. essay about this. So, yes. Thank you, Celia Ahava. It was so wonderful to have you here. This was Literature from Finland, brought to you by Helsinki Literary Agency and hosted by me, Urte. Special thanks to Petri Latvala for the design and Alessandro Danda for the music and to colleagues Urpo, Vivi and Kai. And don't forget to tune in next month as we indeed talk sex with the wonderfully talented Anu Goya. See you around.